the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. These are known as spiritual gifts. They're called that in 1 Corinthians. They are given to every single Christian without any exception. None at all. And they are given in varying measures and degrees so that each Christian's gift is unique and absolutely distinct. And as we'll see in just a few minutes, these gifts are special God-given abilities that enable believers to serve the Lord by serving one another. In other words, you are given a gift to help you to minister to others. Now in verse 7, Paul makes it clear that the one who gives these gifts is Jesus himself, since he referred to them as Christ's gift. In the next few verses, he explains that Jesus was given this right to give these gifts by God the Father. Now we've already covered these verses in detail, so I'm not going to go over them again, except to say what the basic point is. The basic point of the verses that follow, 8 through 10, is this, due to Christ's obedience to God the Father, in that he humbled himself and went to the cross, God the Father has now exalted Christ as the God-man. last verse-by-verse session, we learned about the four groups of leaders that Christ gave to His church. Pastor Steve Kreloff has done an excellent job explaining the function of those leaders in our previous sessions. On today's verse-by-verse program, Pastor Steve has some questions about these church leaders that he will answer, such as, why did Jesus give these men to His church? What's their purpose? What do they try to accomplish? What is their objective in serving the church? Also, why have any leaders in a church congregation? After all, the New Testament does teach that we are a kingdom of priests. Hmm. I think you're going to find today's program to be very enlightening. So, let's jump into our verse-by-verse program for today. Here's Pastor Steve. Well, tonight I want to direct your attention once again to the book of Ephesians, specifically chapter 4. And I want to read to you verses 11 and 12. Paul writes, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Now in these verses, Paul mentions four groups of church leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and As we said the other week, it should be pastor-teachers. And the reason he mentions these four types of men, leaders, is because they've been given 
by Jesus Christ to his church for a specific reason. And this reason has to do with the unity of the body of Christ, how the body of Christ functions. And Paul began teaching about that in the middle of chapter 2. So you'll see it will eventually all tie together. Now, in order to understand what Paul is saying, we need to back up first to verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, these are known as spiritual gifts. They're called that in 1 Corinthians. They are given to every single Christian without any exception, none at all. And they are given in varying measures and degrees so that each Christian's gift is unique and absolutely distinct. And as we'll see in just a few minutes, these gifts are special God-given abilities that enable believers to serve the Lord by serving one another. In other words, you are given a gift to help you to minister to others. Now in verse 7, Paul makes it clear that the one who gives these gifts is Jesus himself, since he referred to them as Christ's gift. In the next few verses, he explains that Jesus was given this right to give these gifts by God the Father. Now, we've already covered these verses in detail, so I'm not going to go over them again, except to say what the basic point is. The basic point of the verses that follow, 8 through 10, is this. Due to Christ's obedience to God the Father, in that he humbled himself and went to the cross, God the Father has now exalted Christ as the God-man. He's always been exalted as God, but he's now exalted as the God-man and given the right as head of the church to bless his church by giving spiritual gifts to them. However, there's more. Because in addition to giving every Christian a spiritual gift, what we learn here is that Jesus has also blessed his people, blessed his church from the very first days of the church, on the day of Pentecost, until even now, tonight, by giving the church gifted men who help them, help the church to grow spiritually. And folks, that's what verses 11 and 12 are about. Paul mentions these four categories of men because these are men who have been gifted by Christ, but they also are gifts that Christ gives to his people, namely apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. And having spent several weeks looking at who the apostles and who the prophets were, we concluded there are no more apostles and prophets today because these men were foundational, foundational for the beginning stages of the church since they wrote down God's revelation about Jesus Christ, which we call the New Testament. They were the foundation. They laid the foundation. Today, we have the completed canon of Scripture. God is not giving any more revelation. So apostles and prophets are no longer needed since they have served their function. Therefore, they died out towards the end of the first century. But the other two categories of church leaders that Paul mentions do exist today, and they are very much needed. We said the other week that evangelists are essentially missionary church planters. We may not call them that, but that's how they function. They are missionary church planters who come into a community 
They share the gospel with people. They lead some people to faith in Christ. And they eventually, once they gather enough, they plant a church in that community. And they stay there for a while, grounding these new believers in the truths of the word of God. That's what an evangelist does. But then evangelists usually move on. Why do they move on? Because that's their ministry of evangelism. They do the same thing in another community and repeat the process. And then those who take their place in the various churches that they have planted, these are known as pastors who build upon the work of evangelists by continuing on a more permanent basis to teach believers the word of God. And that's why these men are referred to by Paul as pastor teachers, which is really, as I said, a more accurate rendering of the Greek text. They are teaching shepherds, pastors who teach the Bible. Now, the last time we studied these verses, I emphasized that all pastors who are also known in the New Testament as elders, as well as overseers or bishops, it's just the same thing, that all pastors are to be teachers. They must be teachers. In fact, one of the qualifications for being an elder is to be apt to teach. However, what I didn't say, and someone asked me afterwards about this, so I'm clarifying it, what I didn't say is that while all pastors must be Bible teachers, not all Bible teachers must be pastors. And that's important for you to know. And the reason I say that is because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, Paul speaks of a whole new category of leader in the church, just teachers. He doesn't call them pastor teachers, just teachers. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, we read, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. He goes on to say other things, but that's all we need to see apostles, prophets, but then there's another category called teachers. So it's accurate to say that all pastors are supposed to be teachers, but not all teachers, Bible teachers, have to be pastors. There are some men who teach in the church, but they are not necessarily elders or pastors. Now, this is where we left off in our study last Sunday. Paul has said that these four categories of Leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers have been given by Jesus to his church as gifts. The question is this, why? Why? For what reason did Jesus give these men to his church? What's their purpose? What do they try to accomplish? What is their objective in serving the church? And this is actually an extremely important question because it's really a question concerning why God has established any leaders in the church. Why have any leaders in a church congregation? After all, the New Testament does teach that we are a kingdom of priests. We're all kingdom of priests. We are all believers on the same spiritual level, no one having any more spiritual privilege than anybody else. Paul has already made that point very clear in Ephesians when talking about the unity of the body of Christ. He doesn't exalt a Jewish believer above a Gentile, doesn't exalt a Gentile believer above a Jewish believer. Also in 1 Corinthians, he emphasized the importance of each member of the body of Christ, said we're all needed. There's no one who's greater than anybody else. And he especially taught this in Galatians chapter 3. Listen to verse 28 of Galatians 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. There's no one who's higher than anybody else in the church. So once again, I raise this question to provoke your thinking. What is the purpose of these specific leaders that Paul has mentioned in Ephesians 4? What do they do that's so important? Well, that's what Paul's going to tell us about in verse 12, and then in weeks to come, we'll see it even further developed in the verses that follow. Verse 12, one of the most important verses in all of the Bible, if we're to understand how Christ has designed his church, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, it is very easy, very easy to look at this verse and miss Paul's entire point. I say that because it might appear that what Paul is teaching is that these men, these apostles, these prophets, these evangelists, pastor teachers, that they have three separate responsibilities in the church. One responsibility is to equip the saints. Second responsibility is to do the work of service or ministry. Third responsibility is to build up the body of Christ. If that's the case, they are awfully busy individuals. It's not what Paul is saying. Not at all what Paul is saying. And those who fail to see this, and there are many, make a fatal mistake when it comes to understanding the way that Christ has designed his church to function. So what am I talking about? Where am I going with this? Well, if Paul is actually saying that pastors are to equip the saints, and in addition, that they are to do the work of the ministry, and in addition, that they are to build up the body of Christ, then what we have is a system then where pastors are the paid professionals essentially hired to do pretty much everything, all the work in the church, and the congregation is simply to sit and watch them do all the work because that's what they've been hired for. It's exactly the way some churches do view their pastor. Believe me, that is how they view their pastor. They see him as the professional hired clergyman who they pay to do pretty much everything related to the church. And then they, as a congregation, are simply to attend the church service each week, give their tithe, listen to the pastor, give his Sunday sermon, and thank you very much. That's it. But that's so wrong. That is not how God has designed the church to function. It's not what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4.12. Even though I understand at first glance it may appear that way, that this is what he's saying. And the reason it may appear that way has to do with the way this verse is translated. Dr. James Montgomery Boyce explains the problem and the solution. But before I tell you what he said, I want you to be aware that in the original Greek text of the New Testament... There are no commas. So when you're going to hear Dr. Boyce speak about eliminating commas, a certain comma, one comma, in the English text, he's not tampering with the word of God, just so you know that. He's just making an interpretive decision, a decision that translators have to make. And sometimes they have made the wrong one. You'll see what I mean. Here's what Dr. Boyce said. In older versions of the English Bible, there was a small but serious error that may have contributed to the church's blindness at this point, or to state the matter another way, may have resulted from its prejudice. It involves a comma. 
In the original King James Version, Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12 said, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, comma, that's the comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He goes on to say, in this version of the text, God is said to have given the teaching gifts, which we normally associate with ministers, so that the ministers may do three things. One, perfect the saints. Two, do the ministry. And three, edify or build up the body of Christ. But he said that translation is wrong. A man named Armitage Robinson was probably the first commentator to notice it and insist that it was a mistake. He argued, and virtually all commentators since have agreed with him, that the comma should be eliminated. Without that comma, the passage says something entirely different. Instead of giving three tasks to ministers, and by ministers he means pastor teachers, it gives one task to the clergy, equip the saints, and another to the laity, means the congregation, do the ministry. As a result of both fulfilling their proper God-given function, the body of Christ may be built up. Now, that's an important quote. That's an important statement, and I quoted him because I couldn't say it any better than Dr. James Montgomery Boyce. So with this cleared up then, just so you know, we take the comma out. Let's see what God is really saying in this verse. And what we'll see is that God has given these spiritual leaders to the church for a specific reason. Understand this issue. Understand what this is about. Understand the meaning, the real meaning of verse 12, and you will understand the heart of a ministry for not only a pastor, but for a congregation. If a congregation misses this, they have missed their essential function. First of all, we read that God has given these men for the equipping of the saints. So the question is, what does that mean? We don't often use the word equip. What does it mean to equip the saints? And what does it mean by saints? Well, let me say this. By saints, Paul is referring to God's people who are alive, not dead people. He's referring to believers, those who are presently alive. Forget the way the Roman Catholic Church views saints. Saints are just believers. So he could have said believers, but he said saints, those who have set apart. So Pastors are given for the equipping of God's people. And the job of a pastor, the reason Jesus has given and gifted him to the church, is to equip the church. So, what is he talking about? Listen closely, because what we're about to see tells you what is supposed to happen to you as part of the church. And it tells me and all of the elders here at Lakeside, what we are supposed to do to make this happen in your life. We are to be equipping you. So, once again, the question is, what does that mean? What does equip mean? Well, essentially it means to make useful, to put into a fit state, to complete, you could say mature. This particular word was actually used in ancient classical Greek as a medical term for setting a bone. A doctor would use that to say he equipped someone when he set their bone again. It was also used in the New Testament for the disciples repairing or mending their fishing nets. You recall that most of the apostles, Judas excluded, and Matthew too, most of them were fishermen and speaks of them mending 
their nets, equipping their nets. So to determine then what Paul means when he says that pastors are to equip the saints, all we need to do is ask ourselves, why does a doctor set a bone? And why does a fisherman mend his net? The answer is simple. It's so they get the bone and the nets in shape. They put them into a fit state so that they can function properly so that they again can be useful. When it's broken, it's not useful. In other words, they are being restored to their original function. That's why one sets a bone. That's why one mends a net. So for you then as a Christian, to be equipped is for you to be put in a state where you are able to function properly so that you will be useful to God. So he can use you. In other words, to be equipped is to become spiritually mature, complete, to be more Christ-like so that you will be useful for the kingdom of Christ. So how do pastors help you to grow? How do they help to mature you? I mean, some translations say for the maturing of the saints. That's really the thought here, to mature, to make someone useful, to grow up. It's by teaching you, note this, the word of God. That's how you mature. Now, God has other ways to mature believers. Suffering helps believers mature. But pastors are not to come along and make you suffer. What we do, that's God's business to make you suffer for your own sanctification. Pastors are to teach you the word of God to help you to grow. In fact, that's the one thing that ties all these four categories of men together. You might ask, why did he even mention this? Why does he mention apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers? The one thing that ties them together, the one thing they all have in common, even though apostles and prophets have passed away from the scene, but the one thing that ties all of these men together is that they taught the word of God to their people. So they were equipping the people who sat under their teaching. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. He said, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, listen to this, so that we may present every man complete or mature in Christ. And Paul said, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. Pastor teachers shepherd the flock by feeding them the word of God. That's what they're supposed to do. So that the flock will grow and be healthy sheep. This is how they become equipped. Folks, you grow by the word of God. Peter said, if you've tasted the word, then grow by it. Grow by it. He also said, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You grow by the word of God. This is how you become equipped. Listen, the goal of a pastor All pastors should be to help their people to grow spiritually. And the way they do this is by teaching them the word of God and praying for them to apply the word of God to their lives. And that's the problem with many American churches. Pastors are so encumbered with so many church administration issues, so many committee meetings, a host of other organizational details that they seldom have time to just sit down and study the word. And their lack of study time shows up in their shallow teaching, which then shows up in producing shallow, immature Christians. And that's a problem, a serious problem, because shallow, immature Christians are not particularly useful for the kingdom of God. They're not useful Christians. According to Paul, the purpose for pastors to equip believers is to be useful Now, notice the second phrase, because you may say, useful for what? Well, look at the second phrase. 
in verse 12, for the work of service. Having told us the task of pastors, which is to equip the saints, notice this. Now Paul tells us not what other things pastors are to do, but what the people they're equipping are supposed to do. Paul tells us the task of a congregation of believers in Christ is to do the work of service or the work of ministry. Folks, he's not talking about the ministry of pastors. He's talking about your ministry. You say, what ministry do I have? Whatever your spiritual gifts are. Okay, class, let's review. What did Pastor Steve say was the purpose of a pastor teacher in the church? Well, they're to equip the church by teaching the word of God so their flock will grow spiritually. And that's why it's so important for a pastor teacher to be true to the Bible when they preach. If your pastor has been faithfully preaching God's Word, be sure to thank them from time to time. When Pastor Steve concluded today's verse-by-verse program, he introduced the task of a congregation of believers in Christ. We are to do the work of the ministry. Pastor Steve will develop that topic further on the next verse-by-verse program. I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you've been challenged. Oh, and by the way, if you would like to subscribe to the Verse by Verse podcast, please go to versebyverseradio.org and click on the podcast link. Then, if you're able, please join us for the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.